How's everyone doing? Welcome to episode 73. You know? All right. 73 episodes, we've been talking, like, two grown-ass black men have dedicated that much time to discussing Boy Meets World. Guys, 2020 is an interesting place. <laughs> oh, you know, actually, it's really funny that you say that, because in, like, two more episodes, we're hitting it at, like, 75. That's pretty good. That's a, that's a pretty good milestone for us. I'm so happy, too, because, like, it's it's super funny, guys. When we were talking about, like, yo, we want to start a Boy Meets World podcast, we were looking to see if there were other Boy Meets World podcasts out there. And there's a few. But one of the things we noticed is that, like, they never finished the series. Yeah. They would only make it to, like, the end of season one or two, midway through season three. Like, they did not have the dedication to Michael Jacobs' beautiful creation that me and Siege have. 2021 comes and not only is it not finished, the world has ended, so. <laughs> yeah, if we don't finish, if, if we don't finish the series, it's because the world ended. That's the only reason. I feel like that's a pretty good, uh, I feel like that's a pretty good out. Pretty good excuse. The only excuse, bro, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Alright, are you ready to get into this episode? I'm ready to get balls deep in this episode, bro. It's a Sean episode. We have Chet. We're introduced to Verna. We see Sean's home for the first time. I'm excited to discuss all of this. Why don't you hit me with the tell me about it? Tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. <laughs> Sean and Chad are waiting to see if Verna will come home. Yes, you're very good. Okay. Uh, not my this, best, not my best. I'll do better next time. Here's the thing, you did it on the fly, and that's all we could ever ask. Um, I, bro, I'm the podcast Wayne Brady. I don't fuck around. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that statement, so I'll let you have it. Um, this is season four, episode four, Fishing for Verna. Mm. Cast that line. After having run away from her family over a year ago, Sean's mother, Verna, is back. However, she would not actually return to her family until Sean and Chet can prove they are really willing to live like a family. In a B storyline, after learning from the hunters that you do not truly appreciate someone until they're gone, Corey thinks of a way to inspire students to honor the late Brenda, a beloved, devoted cafeteria lady. And in a C storyline, Frankie has a little brother? Yes, named Herman, who's a kleptomaniac, and I'm excited to discuss that as well. Okay, so let's start off with our roll call, and start off with, we're going to work our way up, E.J. De La Pina as Herman, who is uh, Frankie's little brother. 
Yes, who is interesting because when choosing someone to play Frankie's little brother, what they did was they were like, we want someone with a similar haircut. We want someone with a similar uh, chubby build, but we want someone who's shy and articulate. And I thought that was such an interesting trait that they thought to pass on was not only um, does Frankie have a brother, his brother carries himself and talks exactly like Frankie, like a poet almost. Yeah. They both have a poet's soul. And it's so interesting that, like, that is built into both of them, considering who we later find out his dad is. Right, we've been introduced to his dad already, yeah, right? Yeah, we've already been introduced to his dad. Yeah, yeah. So, so knowing who their dad is, to know that both of them have just this real quiet, meek, uh, poetic spirit is very fascinating to me. It felt very unnecessary. I feel like they do a really good job even tying the B storyline into the A storyline. But this Herman Frankie thing, like it would have made sense had Chet and Sean actually had to watch Herman and like him being there played some key role, but it didn't. It was just filler. I do agree. The show could have cut the Frankie Herman storyline and it would be the same show. But this show, this episode specifically, um, is a real interesting dissection of lower class life yeah. and one of the reasons i felt like it was super interesting that frankie and herman showed up was because not only do we learn that sean and frankie are neighbors that they come from the same socioeconomic class that um you know they both live in this trailer home life but that people of lower economics often depend on their neighbors more so than people who are wealthy. And like this relationship that Frankie felt completely okay going to the hunters and being like, yo, can you just watch my kid brother for a bit while I run across the street? It didn't even feel like it was awkward. The hunters didn't seem like it imposed on them at all. It seems like something maybe they've done before. So it's just like, it was really interesting that like, as we're, focusing in on what it means to be Sean and to live in a trailer and to have this lower class life that, you know, they've been betraying on the show that we're seeing how it relates to, you know, his world and what his world is. And Frankie's a part of it. And, you know, in the trailer park, you know, you look out for one another and that's just a part of the life there. I just thought it was very interesting. Well, I thought it was very interesting considering the fact that we see Frankie leave him there and say that he's braving the metaphorical highway for his brother to get him, you know, the goods that he needs. It showed not only how much he cares, but also just kind of like the peril lower income individuals put themselves in in order to provide basic goods to the family. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Again, the show just stops short of commenting on it, but it does present it. And I, I, I have to respect that. I have a question. Like, sometimes Boy Meets World will do a Sean-based episode and bringing attention to a lower-class family in a way that I really, other than Roseanne, don't really recognize on television. But at the same time, sometimes it feels like they're making fun of it in a way. Exactly. Like, the, the trailer view motel and shit like that. Like, 
the, I don't know whose side they're on when they're making these jokes sometimes. And it, it sometimes it feels like they're really trying to enrich Sean's family and his character and his home. Like, obviously, they're showing that, you know, a family can exist in this environment and have the same love that Corey's family has in their environment. Um but at the same time, there's just all these jokes about it. Like, I don't feel like people in tra- who live in trailers are constantly referencing that they live in a trailer. Whereas in this world, that's the reality. And so I just, there's times when I feel like, yeah, they're bringing um, depth to characters that are sometimes seen as very cliche. And other times I feel like they're almost like winking at the same time in a way that makes me not understand their yeah where they're coming from and and, uh, i agree with it this is why it makes things so weird when they do address it because you're like you acknowledge it but you didn't really say anything and i don't know if you are mocking these people for the way that they live their lives or if you are just saying we didn't have enough time to get into this really deep issue for example both fucking chet and Verna have Southern accents. They yeah. live in Philadelphia. We know Sean is from Ohio because Feeney told us in the camp, uh, like in the fucking cabin episode last season, that Sean was born in Ohio. Why do they have Southern accents? Is it so we believe that they are like Southern and hick and like country and poor and like like what? imagery are you trying to bring to mind by them having southern accents in philadelphia because it doesn't make sense you hit the nail on the head because very often especially on television that kind of country twang is associated with both those who are undereducated and those who work in low income brackets and it's a classist display Uh, well one of the things i really want to dive into is verna because we meet sean's mother for the first time and i have so many questions about like yeah let's talk about verna hunter because verna hunter who played by uh shireen mitchell this episode this is the very first time we get to see her i was really happy and you know honestly i'm not gonna lie you can kind of see some elements that sean gets i mean this is casting but either way uh i do see verna being with someone like chet i do see them having a son like sean and i was i was really okay with this family picture um, but I did have a few comments, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I mean, Verna, I think they do a fantastic job of making her this really loving, motherly figure. They could have easily made her, like, some strung-out junkie or something like that, but they didn't. Um, you know, we can discuss if her reasons for leaving seemed valid or not, or if Sean should so easily forgive her for her reasons for leaving. I feel like that's another conversation. I have a lot to say, but keep going. Yeah, but I do want to just say that they did a fantastic job of empathizing both Chet and Verna. Even though these are people that you're like, they abandoned their son for a year. Like, that's super shitty. You instantly love the both of them. She's just as likable as Chet is. She's compassionate and caring. She knows who Corey is. She loves Corey. She has been writing Sean a letter every day she's been gone. What? She's so interesting in her very design, and yet I feel like, in a way, 
every excuse she gave for why she left wasn't even close to being good enough. I disagree. And uh, I love that you brought that up because what I was going to say is the fact that she has legitimate concerns and she isn't accepting the performance aspect of being with Chet. When Corey comes over and he's like, you guys, you know, you miss each other and I just think that, you know, you need to see each other. She's like, yeah, we'll be happy and there'll be smiles and hugs. But what after that? Verna is a grown woman who understands that Things were wrong in her marriage and things were wrong in their dynamic. And the fact that she misses them and loves them isn't enough. And that's truly adult. Now, I think the fact that she left and she still contacted Sean on a daily basis says a lot. And it was like she could not keep herself in that area. And she probably did what she thought was best for Sean in terms of not uprooting him. But I'm seeing Verna as someone who had very legitimate concerns. And I think that her reasons for leaving, whatever they were, she feels like she may have overreacted or whatever, but she needed to get herself out of that situation. And I do not blame her for that, considering everything we know. Okay, so I'm going to call bullshit, and this is why. Really? Okay, so here's the reason why I call bullshit. Because, one, if Verna is the same woman who would write Sean a letter every day that Sean's been gone, not call him and talk to him, but write him a letter every day, it seems odd that she would decide to leave and not take her son with her. That, like, I don't trust Chet to be a good husband and father, but I trust Chet to watch this kid while I go figure shit out. Does not make sense to me at all. Two, the reasons why she leaves the family is so fucking vague. Like, it was it a money issue? Was it the fact that Chet wasn't providing? Was it the fact that maybe Chet was drinking? We know he later, we learned that he has a history with alcoholism. Like, I want specifics because what it seems like is that what she tells Corey in the hotel was that we were three unhappy people living under the same roof. That is an issue of communication and therapy. That is not, I get to leave for a year and gallivant and figure shit out when you have a kid and you have no idea. Like she's living, he's living with Turner. She's never met Turner and she's comfortable with this. What is going on? I don't know. And I, I will say that I, I see it as this, and we we are doing a lot of projecting because we don't know what Verna did. You know, like, we don't have specifics. We can only assume. And I didn't see any of the things like Chet's drinking. Or I think I take her at face value when she says we were three unhappy people in that house. And I see it as she may not have thought that Chet was a bad father, but she could not stay in a relationship with Chet. So maybe she left thinking but that why Chet... leave Sean? If wait, she wait, can't stand... Wait. I'm going there, sir. <laughs> I feel that she left Sean there because Sean has a support system. He has school. He has all of these things. And she thought that Chet would... This would get Chet to step up. Little did she know, and little did afterwards even Sean find out, that Chet was the one who honestly didn't do what he was supposed to do. As Sean says, Chet didn't bring Sean with him, and he also didn't reach out as much as Verna did. Verna made it very clear 
how she felt about Sean, even though she left. Bro, you are so Team Verna right now, when in actuality, Chet was the one who was left to raise a son on his own when he barely felt like he was cutting it with the partner, and you feel like that was fair to him? You're out of your fucking oh, mind, all right. bro. Well, first of all, I will say two things. One, men do it all the time. So maybe I'm someone who's like, yeah, this is not an unfamiliar story arc. We're just judging Verna more because she's a mother. If the story was that Chet, Chet himself, which he has, just abandoned his kid, we would give him grief, but I don't think we would need as much of an explanation because that's what's normal. So there's that. Second of all, I, I am saying that Verna probably made the decision that was best for her at the time. Yes, Chet was le- left to raise his son by himself, but it's not like Chet stepped up. It would be different if Chet stepped up and we were talking about Verna coming back and all this other stuff. The thing is, Verna left to do whatever she needed to do. Chet was given a challenge and he didn't meet it himself. And whether or not he was ready for it, he didn't do it. And there's a good portion of this episode that shows that Chet is actually the one who was responsible for this family not being together because he never made it a family, not only to begin with, but when he had the opportunity to raise his son, he didn't step up to do it. That's something that even Corey, not even Corey, even Sean is like, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Bro, I am floored by this because I am so team chat that Verna's whole reasoning seems completely unreasonable to me. Like, her whole, I'm going to leave you with this guy I do not trust to raise you. Then I'm going to not call you so you can tell me how, give me updates on your life, tell me how you're doing, but I'm going to write you something that's so like, I'm giving you my perspective and I'm not hearing anything about you, nor am I giving you a way to contact me. That's so fucking shady. How does she even know who to write because Sean's address keeps changing. It's so... (coughs) I'm sorry. It's so just like... I don't know, just irresponsible. Whereas Chet, yes, Chet left. He went to find his wife. He only called Sean every 28 days. I agree. That's 23. On the dot. I agree. It's shitty. But can we at least... Understand that, one, Chet was desperate to recreate the family unit that he knew in the way only way he knew how, and at least he had the fucking decency to guarantee that Sean had a roof over his head and had someone looking out for him before taking off, which Verna did not. Verna no, didn't no, do that. No, that is incorrect, and you and I are getting in on this. Verna left Sean with... There is no point in time where Verna says, I didn't think Chet was up to the task. What she says was, I had to leave. We were unhappy. So you are making an assumption that she thought he was an inadequate father. She never says that. She left him. She left Sean with a roof over his head and with a legal guardian who is his actual father. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You, if you leave a child with their father... That is leaving them with someone who you think will take care of them. The fact that Chet did not step up does not, the blame does not fall completely on Verna. I I just refuse to accept that. She left him with his biological father, who in turn left 
for what was supposed to be a short amount of time, and Chet did not make sure that he was in good hands. What happened was Chet was gone. He was with people for a long period of time, and the Matthews had it work out to where he could go stay with Turner. Turner stepped up. We know this about Chet. But Verna doesn't know that because she never called Sean to understand where he was living, what his what his home situation was. She just trusted that this guy who she told Corey, I hope Chet's ready to be a good father, meaning that she didn't trust him to be a good father, yet she left her son with him. How? I, I You and I, I will feel that we. this is something that we will agree to disagree on because you are right. I am definitely team Verna in this argument, and I do not understand. Understand, I I won't say I don't understand, but I will say that the argument that Verna is responsible more so than Chet, who again, Chet is the one, Chet is the adult who has a complete understanding of the situation. Does he know where Verna is? No. But does he have the opportunity? And this is a story, if you change the genders at all, this story works out completely differently. If Verna was the one, if Verna was the one who was left. She would have stayed with Sean and made it work. Chet did not do that. And he even, we know for a fact that he only spotted Verna a few times and then he chickened out from even coming home. Bro, okay, but like, understand this. Look at who Verna is. She is loving. She is caring. She's compassionate. When she has interactions with Corey, she treats him like Corey's her other son, the same way Amy does. Like, the re- the, the relationship that Corey has with Verna is so, like, sweet and tender in a way that leads me to understand, like, I cannot comprehend how that sweet gentle, tender, caring woman left her son without any, like, verification, like, contacting him. Because that's the thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the fact that she left. I'm talking about the fact that she didn't bother to call him. She only wrote him. And well, she we have every day. And personally, I will say that this, I, this is my argument for that. I don't say that she didn't let him know where she is because that was never her point. She left for a reason. And anywhere she went, sorry, if she would have given Sean any indication of where she was, Chet would have found her. Again, we don't know their dynamic. We don't know why she left in the first place. But I will say that she reaches out to him 365 times to let her son know that she was okay. That has to be something. A hundred percent, it is. And and that's what's so confusing. If you do every 23 days, that means that Chet made 15 phone calls. 15 versus 365, you cannot tell me that that person doesn't care. And if she did leave, it had to be for a reason. Because okay, she did and not I agree. It has to be for a reason. Okay, I 100% agree. Someone who writes their son 365 letters obviously has a love for that person that's overwhelming. I don't even know that I would write my fiancé 365 letters. I don't have that much shit to say. But what I will say is the fact that when when Corey and Verna were in the hotel room talking, Verna said that the reason I left was because we were unhappy. And if you can't agree that that's selfish as shit, bro, like that's so selfish. I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to say that 
Chet is any better than Verna, but what I'm trying to say is that knowing who Chet is as a person, irresponsible, constantly making promises he doesn't keep, constantly lying about what he does for a living, versus what we know about Verna, writing letters 365 days, being gentle and kind to Corey, embracing the family again. If you had to decide who was going to walk out on their son, it wouldn't be fucking Verna. And the excuse she gives is not very specific at the very least. I'm saying with everything that we know, including the fact Chet has two other children that we know of, he was given the task of taking care of Sean. She left Sean with a house and with a um, father. It is really surprising to me that anyone well, could argue. She left him with the house and the car. Sorry? She left him with the house and the car. Because it's a mobile home. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) But either way, I was just saying, maybe she was being selfish in the sense that I need to figure myself out, but she still left her son with a with his actual father, his biological father, something that that Chet didn't even do. And she left him in the school that he was familiar with while she went around the country. Well, you could argue the same thing about Chet, that he left Sean in the same town with the same friends in the same high school that he was in. Like, he left Sean for the same reasons. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, even if we make that argument, if we make the argument that they left for the same reasons, which they they did not, Chet went to find her she went to get space and if okay were- okay let me ask you this if you and your boyfriend had a kid right yeah. and you guys like raised this kid he's in high school and things didn't work out between you two regardless of how bad that breakup was wouldn't you keep in contact with that person solely because that they're watching their child your child I would. She did not do that. She didn't talk to Chet at all, clearly, because she didn't even, Chet didn't even know where she was. I love that we've spent a good 30 minutes on this, but I'm just saying that I don't know enough to vilify Verna, especially considering the person that I've seen. And I've seen enough about Chet to not let him off the hook. Maybe my gripe is not so much with Verna. I'll I'll say this. Okay, I'll take a step back. Maybe my gripe is not with Verna. Maybe it's the fact that this episode uh, initiates questions that do not altogether get answered. And maybe this is just Boy Meets World Season 4 doing one of those things that they're doing, which they're like establishing something that hopefully they'll continue to nourish in future episodes. Much like they did with Alan winning his grossy and then later finding a new career, hopefully we'll find out more details about this because honestly... I have so many questions. I'll give you that. And then also I will say that another thing that we get hinted at is that even when she is just a highway away, she feels guilty about coming back. As a matter of fact, so did Chet. I think there is something to be said about leaving and leaving for your own reasons, your own selfish reasons, whatever it may be, and then feeling like things got out of control and wondering if there's a place for you to come back to. So I think that that's really important. And I personally am not ready to vilify Werner for being like, look, 
I could come back, but what does that change? I don't mean to vilify her. I don't know the specifics, but all I know that's been communicated was she left because she was unhappy. And to me, that seems selfish. Maybe I've been watching a lot of SBU, but personally, I will say <laughs> that when a woman leaves a situation, it is not a casual decision. I feel like if Verna left, it was for a reason. And even if she just left for the most selfish reason of all, I think that the show itself argues that Chet carries the brunt of the burden because the show gives us a full portion of the episode where Sean comes and says everything that we were just talking about. Sean says, you had the opportunity and you didn't make us a family. What I will agree with, which is very strange, and I kind of want to talk to you about this, is that Sean kind of holds Chet far more responsible for being a parent than than he does his mother. Exactly. And, and I thought that was actually kind of interesting. Like, I don't know. I'll tell you this. As a child of divorce, I love both my, my mother and my father, but I know that my mom's kind of a better parent than my dad. It, it, my mom's more Absolutely. willing to talk, talk about like feelings and like all that shit. Dad's kind of old school and hard and like a black guy that was born in 1963. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like he's, it, it's, it's not that he's a bad person. It's just that for nourishment, that's not who you're going to, right? But in, what's, in a very interesting turn of events, Sean confronts his dad about, like, when mom left, why didn't you feel like that me and you can just, like, do this? It wasn't like, I'm upset for mom for leaving. It's, well, yeah, mom left, whatever, but you left, and that makes more, like, more of a difference to me. And maybe that's where you're coming from. Like, you're giving, you're getting the same energy that the episode was projecting, and putting the blame on Chet and solely focusing on his role in this more so than what it meant for Sean to have Verna leave. Exactly. Well, I feel that for a few reasons. One, I think everyone would agree. I don't know for sure, but most children, remember, we're we're older now. We've been able to put things into perspective. But when you're a teenager and the role that your dad plays, you know, it's like you don't appreciate your mom the way that you're supposed to when you're a teenager. No. You just don't. That's something that's a given. But the father is someone you look up to, and the father is the one who you kind of give the most slack to. When he, as you said, he doesn't stand up himself and play the roles that he's supposed to. And I love that Sean's like, hey, yeah, she left, but she left first, and that put you in a position to step up and you didn't do that so she may have done wrong but you did the worst thing because you left a child parentless she didn't that's number one additionally i want to say that i think that it's really important to note that we get even chet kind of taking this responsibility and understanding that he could have done better because i just feel like otherwise we're just looking at gender roles and what we expect a woman to do and what we expect a father to do and this show at least at this point in time says no it should be what we expect a parent to do okay so i have a question for you and like completely putting aside our speculations about i don't know just with the information that we're given like 
What do you think happened specifically between Chet and Verna? Do you think that Verna found out that Chet has fucking Matthew Lawrence, some other kid, and like some other girl that he's been parenting and she didn't know about? And like she found out? And like, do you think that's the reason why she left? Like, I'm very curious. Let's just take what we know from this show. And we, this is pure speculation, but let's take what we know. We know that Sean said he had a sister, an older sister. We know that he has another brother. We know that he that he has the half brother who lives in the same trailer park, which means that fucking Chet fucked a neighbor. Exactly. So if we know all of this, it is very likely that she found out about Matthew Lawrence's character and was like, I can't do this anymore. I am here. I'm loyal. I'm raising his child and he's going out having children with other people. You know what? If you want to do that, I will not stay at home and take care of your child. You will. I can very much see that. I'm so interested in all of this. I really want them to break it down. (laughs) And honestly, thinking back on the show, I don't know that they ever really dissect it. But okay, okay. Can we can we can we do this? Can we um instead of focusing on the relationship between Chet and Verna, can we real quick like dive into what we saw play out between Sean and Chet specifically? Because one of the things I want to point out is that I think Sean and Chet have a fantastic rapport. Like they they have an amazing relationship. Like even despite like Sean kind of calling him out and, and calling him out and under, trying to understand why it is that he left and he didn't contact him as much as his mom did. There still is this relationship that they have where it feels like they're best buddies. Like they feel closer than Corey and Alan. I would argue. That's because Chet doesn't really. From what we know, Chet doesn't really take responsibility. So it's really, it's like that thing where Alan has three kids and he and a wife and he's trying to provide. So of course he's not going to be as close with Corey as Chet, who it's just him and Sean. It's just a boy and his father. And so therefore it's easier for them to have this rapport because Chet isn't being judged the way we would his mom. Well, one of the things I want to point out is that remembering the season finale of season three is that Sean and Chet spent the entire summer road tripping together. So they have come come straight off of this fantastic adventure. Like when we were watching Corey and Eric road trip, simultaneously, Sean was and Chet were having their own adventures around the country. And I would argue probably more interesting than a fucking yogurt <laughs> town. So it's it, when we're looking at them together, they've already kind of gotten over the awkwardness of being like a family unit as the two of them. Um, but it's, it's super fascinating to see them like reminisce over old photos. It feels like they are family. Like, I don't know what the actor who played Chet did with the actor who played Sean off camera, but it does feel as though they established a relationship that felt very familiar. The actor who plays Chet is charming. And I think part of what you're reading is his charm. We know he's likable. We don't even blame his son for buying into these things. His son knows who his dad is to a certain degree. And he's just, like I said earlier, I keep coming back to when you're a teenager, your father it can do no wrong. And Sean's still in that kind of fascinated space with his dad right now. 
So there's that. And I think that that's really, really important. And second of all, I think they don't just, it's not like we open up the episode with them reminiscing about old photos. What happens is Verna gives them an ultimatum of really being close. That leads to Sean holding Chet accountable. And after they have this very difficult conversation, they get to spend time with each other in a meaningful way. And Chet kind of, agrees to be there as a father moving forward. And it just so happens that Verna is able to hear that. I I agree with most of what you said, but I need (laughs) to back up on this. Verna gives them an ultimatum. She says to Corey, I want you to be a family again. Somehow that translates to the two of them smiling outside of the window for 48 hours. (laughs) Like, it was really silly. Like, that message did not get communicated to those two assholes. Thank you so much, because you brought up the other part that I wanted to address, which was that for Verna, they they don't even brave themselves and go over there. They send Corey. They send Corey. And and Verna notices that. She's like, they don't even come here. They send a messenger. Can I point out real fast that, like, I thought it was very, very cool that Corey seemed to be as entwined to the hunters as Sean is entwined Absolutely. to the Matthews. I think that that's great. And it's true to who we know Corey to be. And it's true to what they're trying to do, you know, with the A storyline and the B storyline, which we should move to pretty soon. I just want to say that the fact that they sent Corey over there and the fact that she sends them back, hey, performance isn't enough. I'm going to need to see you guys be like a family. And what Chet takes from that is smile in the window is kind of the problem. What leads to a better understanding are two things. One, it's the difficult conversation that Chet needed to have with Sean. And it's also the fact that Corey came over there and was like, I know that things may seem difficult, but you'll never know if you don't try. One of the things that really struck out to me about all of this was, so Sean confronts his dad about, you know, you weren't, you didn't step up to the plate. You didn't feel like I was enough to have a family. You felt like you needed to find mom in order for us to be a family. Why was that? He's confronting his dad. He's, I thought it was deserving of, it was a conversation that we as an audience needed to justify the last year of seeing Sean being, you know, sent around from house to house to seeing him, you know, uh, having that interaction with Chet in the prison where he finds him again. And he's like, you know, I'm here. I really need a dad. You know, it's kind of revisiting some of those ideas. Um, and, and it's interesting that when he confronts him, Chet is completely understanding. He's like, you know what? You're right. And, you know, I promise you that I'm going to be the best father, father I can. And they do this scene where they're looking at photos and Corey walks in and they're talking about Sean learning how to ride a bike. Yeah. And talk about, and, and this is completely separate from the whole Sean versus Bernard storyline, but um, Corey notices that Sean learned how to ride a bike from his parents taking him to a Toys R Us store because they couldn't afford a bike. Can we talk about that for five seconds? Yeah, yeah. let's go into it. That. I feel is such an interesting 
thing to throw in there. It was such an interesting idea from a writer's perspective to, to, the, to the point where I wonder if someone in the writer's room grew up in a trailer home. If there's someone in the writer's room or maybe a few people in the writer's room who who all together from their various experiences had something similar to Sean that they could throw in there because it felt very authentic. Learning how to ride a bike from going to the Toys R Us store is not something that someone who grew up in a middle-class home would know to put into a show. You know? Like, it felt personal in a way that felt authentic and real. And I really respected the show for including that. It's one of those moments where we are addressing the the struggles of lower income lifestyles and it gives Sean, not Sean, Corey, some perspective even. Um, And I also love that it's, you know, it's, it's still a treasured memory, you know, like it's never seen as anything less. Dude, it, Sean says like, when they look back on those photos and Corey points out that Sean learned how to ride a bike in the store because it, it, Chet immediately apologizes saying like, hey, I'm sorry I couldn't afford to buy you a bike. And Sean immediately says like, I don't care. Fun is fun. And like, it's such a, a an amazing microism of their entire relationship of Chet feeling like he is failing Sean and Sean being like, I just enjoy being around you. And it's so interesting to me that both um, Chet and Verna both individually felt like they were failing their son. Um, really quick, I do want to touch on the B storyline um, because I feel like we owe it to Brenda. Yeah, totally. And Brenda is our last person in roll call, played by Loretta Jean. We haven't had a person of color with a title role in a while. Other than Eli, yeah. And um, especially this season. So I thought it was really important to discuss her. Can I just point out that I believe, and I'm sure maybe you agree, that the more feminine energy the show embraces, the better it is. We get a lot of females in this episode, and as usual, they none of them talk to each other, other than Brenda and Topanga asking about Pi. Again, just based on the way that we see Verna and the two other female characters, which is Brenda and uh, Amy, I think that what the show is ultimately saying is Verna wasn't appreciated. I think that Verna left Chet and Sean together so they would understand how much she was doing for them. I felt that Verna left to kind of force Chet to step up. And the fact that Chet didn't step up, it it led to a worse outcome. But I feel like she was trying to get Chet's attention when she did so. And I feel like that's echoed in the fact that during this episode, we have someone who does go missing or, you know, is lost, and she was someone who was important to Corey. And then additionally, she dedicated her life to these children who never appreciated her. And we see Amy, who puts in this big effort with her family. And it's not like she does it once. She does it on a daily basis. And the family is consistently overlooking those efforts. And I feel like the show is trying to say something with that. Well, can can I just quickly, I just want to quickly chime in that I 100% agree that this episode would be like 
so much better if they emphasized the appreciation aspect because it really would have tied in both the A and B storyline so much better. What's super interesting to me was the way that they tied Amy into the Brenda storyline. I fucking loved this whole appreciation theme of this episode because you're right. Despite not getting a ton of information about why Verna and Chet broke up, I do felt like it was this the theme of the episode was appreciate um um to show appreciation to those who you appreciate spending time with and uh, i feel like if you look at verna's storyline she didn't feel like she was being appreciated maybe she felt like her husband wasn't appreciating her or their dynamics are uh, their, their family but the way that they tied in this Amy storyline, where we only see Amy roughly three times, and in all those three times, it's at the beginning, the exact middle, and the end of the episode, and she's preparing food for her family. The first time, everyone rushes out, including Corey, and she's left looking at this table of food, and she's just feeling like she wasted her time. We move on. This whole storyline happens with Brenda. She makes her family breakfast again. Corey comes down. He's like, you know what? I'm really upset about Brenda the lunch lady dying. I don't feel like I have much of an appetite. And he says to her, imagine just feeding a bunch of kids breakfast, like food that they never appreciated. Like, what a life. And they have this moment where Amy pauses and she looks at the table full of food that her family hasn't eaten. And I was like, bro, this episode is fucking beautiful. Like... I Yes, I have a ton of questions about Verna and Chet. I want to know about what led to the events that happened in the previous season. But at the same time, they are relating uh, Brenda and Amy in a way that I felt was so well done that when Corey has breakfast with his mom at the end of the episode, I was moved by that shit. And I was like, yo, this is the that, like this is what Boy Meets World does best. When he sits down, he 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 says to his mom, "Hey, mom, thanks for making breakfast." After everything he learned about Brenda and what her life was, what the students meant to her, even if the students didn't feel the same way, I just thought it was beautiful and so well done. Absolutely, and then also I want to say just to give give Brenda her due a little bit more. The idea that this woman is in a service industry. She works, she takes care of these children. She knows how Corey likes his mashed potatoes. She saves a little piece of pie for Topanga. This is someone who clearly, she's on the peripheral of these students' lives, but she still knows about them and cares about them. And she has been doing this for years. And for her to die, it's something that, not only could it have been a story where Corey's like, oh, I didn't appreciate what I have, but the fact that they step up and they show that this, by the way, Black woman <laughs> who has seen some things and been in the service industry to all of these kids, she didn't live an empty life. She touched many lives. Uh, and even with that epilogue at the end, I thought it was very, very sweet. Okay, so two things I want to say about Brenda, the lunch lady. Um, the first thing is that when they 
the whole scene between her and Topanga. Topanga's like, hey, do you have any more cherry pie? And like, Brenda's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, wait, no, there's one more piece. It felt like she had this relationship with Topanga and even Corey with his master potatoes where she knew these kids on an individual basis and it was one of those things where i kind of questioned like is this even realistic when she has 900 students but one of the things i want to say is that so my mother is a child care worker and obviously with everything that's going on child care workers are considered essential workers, something I never really thought of before. Both of my parents have essential workers, jobs, even though they're both middle class, like regular ass jobs, things I never thought anything of. My dad being a grocer and my mom being a childcare worker are essential to our lives progressing, I've learned in the world of Corona. So it was really interesting because my mom's here with me and she's kind of quarantined, like she's not leaving. She's calling her daycare, which is still running, and she's telling them about individual students, telling them how so-and-so likes his lunch. No, you have to give this kid a peanut butter and jelly because he won't eat the soup. And is she listed maybe 18 kids by name and told me sp- and said specific things about what they need in order to comfortably go throughout their day. And I didn't understand that like people like Brenda existed, you know what I mean? But like, there is truth to that. And I really appreciated that. And I appreciated that I was able to kind of like understand her a little bit better through understanding my mom and everything that's going on right now like it was just a very cool moment for me absolutely well i also think like i i don't want to like over something like well of course but like i like i remember philando castile and he was a uh food service worker at a school and like they were like the kids loved him and he made sure that the kids got you know were always taken care of and i do remember that and i think that especially now we are really learning something that has always been true, but it's never just been promoted as much, which is that the individual service workers that we come in contact with, the janitors, the lunch ladies, who the grocery store managers, they are vital to our economy and they don't get the respect, the pay or the um visibility that something like a lawyer or you know a doctor doctor will get but when it comes down to it when our economy and our society is pushed to the limits those are the individuals who step up first and And the ones that we can't go without which is super telling okay so that was that was the first thing i wanted to say the second thing i wanted to say is that this show does a fantastic job through brenda the lunch lady of showing a, a, a respect for things that people don't think much of. Yes. And so, like, there's this fantastic scene where Feeney and Corey are talking, and Fee- Corey says something like, oh, she just served us lunch. Like, what's the big deal? Or I, I don't know, something like that. But Feeney goes, is like, no, don't minimize the fact that she just served you food. That's not what it was for her. It was bigger for her. You were one of 900 of her children. Like, yes. this, was, this meant so much more for her. And she took it seriously because she understood that this is work that needed to be done. And it just kind of gave, pers- like, this... 
I think this show does a fantastic job of just giving perspective to people who typically in 1995 or whenever this episode aired probably didn't have a voice in many other primetime sitcoms. You well, know, like I mean, this- in 2020, I think that you're right. As much as many faults as Boy Meets World has, as many shortcomings as Michael J. Was, Michael Jackson has when it comes to females, and you know, like there are lots of things where we're like, this wasn't I ideal they constantly try to show respect to workers like no matter what class of worker you are they want to make sure that it's understood that your job is important and valuable so far in this season we have heard uh alan feeney um fucking brendan the lunch lady all give perspectives chat of what it's like to live in their economic class and i just think that is so interesting and so adult in a show that uh you know a year ago was having episodes about like you know a car breaking down and like not being able to go to new year's parties like things that were really kind of surface and didn't really leave much of an impact and now it seems like they're highlighting real individuals that exist in all of our lives. We all know a Mr. Feeney. We all know a Mr. Turner. We all know a Brenda the Lunch Lady. Like, these are people who have made an impact on all of us, yet they, like you pointed out, are never given the visibility. But for whatever reason, Boy Meets World and the writers of Boy Meets World felt the reason to give Chet, Brenda the Lunch Lady, Alan Matthews, and like all these other people, layers, reasons for why they are what they, what they are. Well, what I was going to say is it's like we've, honestly, now that you've mentioned it, we've been doing it in every episode. Mr. Kimball last episode, Amy was like, do you make a good living? He's like, some years are good, some years are bad. Um, before that, we had uh, Tammy, the single mom who works two jobs, and she was like, it must be nice to have support. Um, then we had the waitress from the first episode. I think her name was like Irene. She also was someone who we got to see the world through her economic eyes. And we've been doing this every single episode. And I'm really glad that we are. It I hope it's something that so continues. Much- realism and depth and what it does for an audience is that it makes the show personal and for me the reason why season four always sticks out in my mind is because at least from what i can remember most if not every episode has a very human connection to it where i can relate i don't know brenda lunch lady but i know so many brenda the lunch ladies that i can you know fill in that person in my head and have that relationship and go on that same journey that Corey goes on. I feel like we talked about many things, but what would be your Feeny Tommy uh, episode? Oh, again, my Feeny Tommy is all about appreciation, like appreciating people and showing them that you appreciate them because that's two parts of it. In the, in the Amy and the, and Brenda storyline, there's appreciating people, but in the Verna and Chet and Sean storyline, it's showing them that you appreciate them. So it's just a really interesting dissection of what it means to value the people that you value. Absolutely. And I, I could not say it any better. Um, what grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode an A, bro. I'm sticking with 
this season is so far it honestly like even if you didn't like this episode or last episode if you didn't think they were as entertaining as some other episodes you have to admit that this is so much better writing wise than some of the bullshit that we saw in season two and three like it's it, it really feels mature in a new way like it feels like john hughes is suddenly controlling <laughs> the show it's, it's it's just it's it has depth in the way that i didn't really see in season two and three so yeah i'm gonna give this a b plus but only because i think that we took a detour with frankie and um his little brother herman i will say that herman acted his ass off whoever he is i'm saying that it was unnecessary, and considering that you and I had a full discussion and there were so many unanswered questions with Verna, I feel like that time could have been used better. So because of that, I'm not going to give it an A, but I do think that the episode itself overall was very well one of the things i want to say is that if you looked at the first three episodes of the season eric coming back home sean, uh, alan reestablishing yeah. a new career sean getting his family unit back if you look at all these three episodes this one long episode that establishes what this season is gonna be i feel like you can ignore things like the Frankie Herman storyline, because from what I understand, Frankie being a neighbor of, of Sean plays heavily into the season. Oh, okay. So, like, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it may seem random, but at least they've established that Sean and Frankie are neighbors and that they have a relationship outside of school. So, when that later comes into play, maybe in the Thanksgiving episode or in the I want to be at Topanga's birthday party, but I also want to be at WrestleMania episode, like, it's it holds a little bit more weight because you understand that Frankie is more than just that bully in school. He has, you know, even, you know, outside of that one episode where they talk about him having a sleepover with the kids that they don't want to go to, has established himself as a permanent fixture in their lives. So I, I can ignore it, understanding that there's more that's going to come from it. Homework. What are you going to do for homework? Um, For homework, I'm just going to simply recommend the new Childish Gambino album. Ooh. His creativity just seems endless, and I'm just so... When, uh, when like, real artists put out real art they put real thought into, it's just so nice just to be able to chew on that for a while. Whenever Donald releases something, it feels like I can chew on this for a little bit, and it has some meat to it. So um, I would just highly recommend people check out the album. It's his first album since Bec uh, Awaken My Love, which obviously had Redbone on it. It's, it's creative as fuck, and... Um, I just, I really think he's just brilliant. So, yeah, the new Childish Gambino album drops Sunday night, and it's all I've been listening to. Okay, and for me, I'm going to recommend Good Omens uh, on Amazon. I, oh, I'm not familiar. I'm pretty sure I recommended the book when I read it. I read the book a while ago, but it was since adapted to a miniseries on Prime TV. I've been watching it. Uh, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. It really does 
stay true to the tone and the pace of the book. So um, I think that if you are looking for something else to watch, also, it's really funny because the entire book is about the end of the world, but like in a fun, playful way. And of course, it's just very relevant to the times that we're living in. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to check this out. It's available on Amazon Prime if you have that. Um, I'm going to close us out by saying thank you to listening to Broad Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. Make sure that you leave us a rating. Um, you can reach out to us. Give us your viewpoints on this whole Verna Chet situation. I want to know if you're Team Chet or Team Verna. Because <laughs> it's a hard line in the sand, and I want to know where you stand. Yeah, you can let us know your opinions at Bro Meets World on Twitter instagram or facebook or email us at brumbeatsworld at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at extra siege that's x-t-r-a-c-e-e-j uh tc you can find me on instagram at a braver me at dot braver dot me you can also find me continuing to watch boy meets world on disney plus which you can also do with us and please invite your family and friends to watch along like i mentioned before this is a fantastic distraction during this time where we all have way too much time on our hands so you know feel free to invite your kids or your you know whoever you have around to to re-watch the show with us because it really is a, a great little treat in the midst of all this like weird darkness that we're in. Do you have anything else you want to say? I would just like to remind our audience to uh, dream. Try. And to raise your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Later, bros. Later, bruh.